Are we live? We're live. Evil Squid Comics Podcast, episode 18, season 3. 18. I'm Drew. I'm Don. I'm Scott. And we get together every couple weeks and we talk about comic books. We have the Evil Squid Comics Podcast. We'll also talk about TV shows and whatever else we want to talk about. You just never know. So what's going on, guys? My cat is being a, a bit of a monster. For some reason, she needs attention. That's weird. Yeah, no, not really. Not in this household. All these animals need attention. Drives me nuts. Who the hell gets pets? I don't know. But... Not me anymore. We're done with pets. Uh, we have a hamster. Just, uh... Hey, there you go. That's a pet. It stays in his cage, though. Yeah, cool. So you did not uh, watch it's What If? How far did you get? Uh, I watched the uh, about the first five or so minutes where I see that Killmonger saves Tony Stark's life, and then uh, basically, uh, what uh, the whole plot of Iron Man, you know, for who the bad guy was at the end, you know, he basically just spoiled here, you know, in the first five minutes. So it's like, oh, everything's taking a different path. No Iron Man. Killmonger's kind of a good guy so far, but who knows? Sure. Well, who's the loser they got to do Tony Stark's voice? That's what I want to know. Uh, I don't know. He does okay. Animation no, on Tony Stark on this one is bad. a little, a little weird though. His mouth or something just seems funny. But I just find it ironic they can get Chadwick Boseman to do the voice, but they can't get Robert Downey Jr. Well, that He's was busy. because by the time that. They were doing that. Robert Downey, Chris Evans, and Scarlett Johansson had already said, you know, bye bye to those characters. So they weren't. I thought they got Chris Evans it. to do Captain America. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not in the first episode. I, know, I don't think that was him, though. Uh, I think it was Chris Evans. Right, well, at least that one kind of. It definitely like wasn't Scarlett Johansson in the Avengers one, either. She's mad at Disney. Well, that's true. But I mean, this would have been recorded. This, did anybody, is, this would have been re recorded see? well before that, though. Sure. Did we go see Shang-Chi yet? I haven't. No. thought about going to the drive-in because they had a cool double feature with that and Free Guy, but I just oh, it nice. was kind of warm this last weekend. Yeah. So didn't do that. All right. Well, that's lame. And plus, I, I think if you wait just about, what, uh, 30 days now, they'll, it will be for free on Disney+. Plus. I think 45 days is what they said was the theatrical. 45 days total. And so that was well, 45 days from the when it released. So it's now been out for Yeah, what? So you're saying 30 more days. That's right. That's what I'm saying. About 30 right. more days, maybe a little bit more than that, because it's probably actually been out for, what now, 10 or 11 days or something like that. So, so you think it's going to hit Disney Plus right when the 45-day window is up? That's what, they, that's what the good old internet says, and so it's never lied to me. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. One that it's forty-five days, and two that the internet has never lied to you. Yeah, Black Widow's that's still not on Disney Plus. What's that? Black Widow's still not on Disney Plus. That is correct. But it and should be out. dropping here shortly because I think the Blu-ray and stuff just got released this last week. I think in stores, so they usually hit about a couple weeks right after that on Disney Plus. 
So you think Shang Chi will come to Blu-ray first for a couple weeks before it hits Disney Plus, or do you think it's going straight? That I don't know. That because they're do they're experimenting here, you know, much like they were doing with the you know the buy stuff on Disney Plus the same day it came to theaters. This whole Shang Chi thing is going to be an experiment of oh well maybe if we go to theater first and then drop it on Disney Plus to our subscribers within 45 days, we'll get a boost in subscribers. So I don't know what their plans are now with the Blu-ray, though. Says Shang-Chi on October 17th for Disney Plus. So that's your 45 days. That's there before, you go. That's going to be before Black Widow, then. Maybe. Uh, when's Black Widow hit so. Disney Plus? I don't know. I, th I thought Black Widow would be hitting Disney Plus like here, like right at the very beginning of October. But maybe I'm wrong. I thought it's... I thought I read October 23rd, but... I oh, really? Okay. That that could be. Yeah, then I you might be, be right then. Maybe it's September 23rd, or maybe it's October 10th, or it's... I don't know. I read somewhere I thought it was October. October 6th. I was only off by 17 days. Only 17 days. Yes, but they, but it still then hits before Shang-Chi. Yes, so Don was wrong. Scott was right. I'm used to that. What is that? Oh, what is that thing? It's a toy I bought. At wow. ICT Comic-Con? The premier Comic-Con yeah. of Wichita? How much did you pay for that toy? Well, Twelve fifty. What is it? $1,250? Oh, it's a Spawn toy. It's the Desiccator from Spawn. The Desiccator. Curse of the Spawn. It's the Curse special the boxed edition. See, it's strange that you're older than me, because I've gotten to that point where it's like, man, if I buy something, it's like, I got no place to put that. How okay, can you so, find buying that stuff? I got no so, place to put that. Where's the lever? So I have an interesting story. It's not going to be very interesting. The guns move. Okay. Where'd it go? Nice. See that? I see. Not really, because it's all like really low on the screen. You need to like yeah. pick it up. All I see is your face and like the face of it. Oh, so much better. And, and has... some people listen to this podcast, so they can't see it. Oh, and he's got like other things that fit on too. Okay, so I bought this. And then I bought this. You guys wow. say what this? That's very reflective. Medieval. That spawn. looks like a medieval it's, spawn. It's medieval with spawn a violator. Versus Melbolgia. That Played seems really for fifteen bucks. Well, they were. That both sounds like 15. a hell of a deal, man. They were. They were both fifteen, and I talked him down to twenty-five for both. So. Wow. But as I was walking away, carrying those two boxes, I'm like, where am I going to put this? What yeah. am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with uh, it? Just give it to the, the guy who uh, the carried the New Mutants 98 around. Right? But it's cool. I've never seen it before. I've never you seen really, it. Do you have really bad internet at your house? Because you are blurry. Me? Yeah, Scott's clear as a bell, but you worry. That's amazing. 
You look it fine to me there, Don. It doesn't look blurry on my my screen. Okay. Nice. Oh, he looks good to you, Scott? Yeah, he looks pretty good to me. I mean, right. he pixelates a little bit, but overall, it's not too bad. I bought cool. this, too. The Texas Leatherface? Yeah. yeah. It's it is. Chase. It's the Chase figure. It has a bloody bucket, a severed head, and a severed arm. Oh. How much was that? And a bloody chainsaw. It was $113, wasn't it? It was $30. You paid oh, it? okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Another guy had one that was for 50 so I saved 20 bucks. Nice. Yes, I would describe it. I saved $20. That is an accurate description. About I this. think you saved $30 by not going there, didn't you, Drew? It looks like more than that. I bought this. A Marvel Treasury Edition Spider-Man? Yeah. Cool. How cool is that? It's all nice. right. Nice. And I bought that movie poster. Yes. What movie and poster is that? <laughs> oh, that <laughs> other one that you were showing us at the very beginning? That was a movie poster? No. No, no. Escape, no, okay. Escape from New York, Italian version. Oh, cool. Nice. And you know, it's not a norm. It's bigger than a normal size movie poster. It's like forty by. It's it's insanely huge. It's crazy. Are you sure? That sounds like normal size. Mm, then maybe it, I don't remember what the dimensions are, but it's big. Movie posters are pretty big. I know. I have some. It's wider, I think. Twenty-seven by forty. No, it's, it's like 40 by 60. Holy shit. That is I don't think that big. What? I don't think that's true. <laughs> that Scott's showing off his stuff. We're just going to show toys, I guess. It's no, 30... look at that. It's art. For an eBay, it's 39 by 55. Okay. So yeah, it is a little bit bigger. Yeah, that's what I said. I guess. Where did guess you get that? that? Uh, I had it was a commission uh, that I had Jay uh, Foz, Fosget do. Fosget. 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 Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of him. It's cropped. Uh, that's that's the front cover, or that's the front of the cover, and there's the backside. <laughs> nice. What's Drew getting? Oh, I don't know. Commission. Oh, his commission. Too much glare. Yeah, there is a lot of reflection there. I noticed that mine on mine too. Ooh, nice. Do you see what movie poster it's after? Is it Robocop or Terminator? I would assume Terminator. Terminator. Okay. Yeah, I got Savage Dragon as a Terminator poster. You should look at this guy, Scott. He does really cool headshots, and they're not too expensive, and he'll do it in color, too. Sweet. Might be up your alley. Who was it? His name's Drew Moss. Hmm. Okay. Where'd my box go? He'll do, like, a 9 by 12 with color for, like, 110. Here you go, Don. All right, let's, what are we doing? 
I, I don't know. This is uh, the Emperor's or whatever lightsaber hilt. This thing is freaking heavy. If I ever get my house broke into, I'm taking this thing and throwing it at him. This thing's like a freaking brick. Is um, is that the official? It's that... Hasbro's Black Series, so it's real metal and everything else. You know, I mean, how it's not like a exact, re you know, it's not like a, what are those ones called, Master Replicas or whatever. But this one's, you know, as close as those type of things. Nice. I didn't read very much. Actually, I read some, but I read a bunch. I read a little bit of a bunch of things that I didn't finish. I read low, and I read our required reading of Watchmen. That's all I read. But I tell you what, I could probably spend the entire podcast talking about low. So you guys did you go finish it. it? Yeah, I did. I did. All right, let's hear about low, or should we just? Yeah, you go into that. Sure. Oh, oh, well, real quick before we go into that, I did watch Chaos Walking. Is that the one with uh, Tom Holland and J Daisy Ridley? Sure, I've never heard. Have you heard that one? Okay, it it was around and uh, getting the spiel there for a little while because it was supposedly like a totally awful film and all this other type stuff. And I think because it had those two in it, it was expected to do better. But um, it's based off of a book series. And I think it's like a trilogy of young adult books that the entire trilogy is called Chaos Walking. This is more based off of, I guess, like the first book or something. Oh, yeah, it's an okay movie. That. Yeah, it's an okay movie. It's kind of sci-fi, you know, type of things in which, uh, you know, uh, there's a group of humans that have, basically left earth and they found a new planet and on this particular planet anything that's male pretty much their thoughts can be heard by everybody around them and basically they project outward and things and any females that doesn't happen to and so pretty much it's it's showing that you know there's this whole town full of males there's no females left and that's pretty much because you find out later that you know things happened because you know, the guys are going a little bit of looney tooney because they're, all their thoughts are being heard. And then uh, a new space woman comes down being Daisy Ridley and she's trying to figure out how the heck to get back and contact her spaceship that's orbiting this planet and to probably telling them, don't come down here. But anyway, it's the stuff that happens through there. It's There's good acting through it, but you can definitely tell that it's a bit rushed because it's based off of a book, you know, and things. There's some good parts. It's not maybe because my thoughts were going in really low that I thought it, I didn't think it was that bad, but um, it's definitely not like a greatest movie of all time by any means. Did, I have been did, watching The Nevers. Has anybody watched that? I have not. What do you think? It's okay. I'm about okay. almost done with the first season half, which is all that's out. So I'm like done with the fifth episode. Just started the sixth. So it's almost done with what's out. It's typical Joss Whedon, um, but it's like it's kind of like the X Men in Victorian London with like some steampunk stuff going on. Cool. So the basic Joss like quit that, right? Did yeah, he he's off the show now. Did he write the entire season, or did he just write a couple episodes? I think he wrote a couple episodes, but he created the show, and it's his it's his concept. So the, like, so the characters themselves. It are probably his idea. He probably okay. mapped out the story. He just didn't necessarily script all the episodes. Okay, okay. But yeah, um, it's basically, it's London and this like uh, weird alien appears in the sky and then all sorts, 
all of a sudden people start appearing with like special abilities. They call them turns. And so all, it's mostly women. They start gathering together like in an orphanage, like a Xavier School of Mutants or whatever, you know. And there's people. I thought maybe like the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, kind of like that too. And then there's evil people that are trying to grab the people too and do like experiments on them. And there's lots of conspiracy and a lot of. Uh, and then there's bad people who turn to like bad mutants. So it's very. It's it's like X Men, but no, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's got some. It's typical Joss Whedon. The characters are interesting. They have, you know, good personalities and well developed, all that good stuff. So, not bad. Okay. Cool. It's really weird though, because like the last episode I just watched, the episode six starts and it's like in the future on like a different world. It took like a huge total like left turn. So I'm oh, kind of wow. where that's going. But uh, it's got good production values. I mean, it's HBO, and so it's right. got. They can know, throw some money at it. Yeah, they threw some money at it. So supposedly Ooh. the second half of the season is supposed to be coming out next year, I think. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. I'm a swing. I'm a. If you like Jeff Weed, it's worth checking out. What Don? I'm assuming neither one of you have started to watch Why the Last Man. No, I haven't started. Did it just come out? Mm-hmm. I think Monday. Monday I think Monday. Monday. Okay. I, I knew it was supposed dropped. to be coming out soon. I just didn't know exactly when. So Monday, huh? That's a weird drop date. Jesus. I think. Okay. I think they dropped three episodes, though, I think. But I'm okay. not sure. It's on FX. Yeah, but I think it also airs on Hulu then, too. On Hulu as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's where I saw it, was on Hulu. Yes. Yeah. So you did watched, watch it then? I watched like 15, 20 minutes of the first one. That's all I got through. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm thinking I may try to it, watch that one with for... my wife at least to start and see how what she thinks of it. It starts really slow, so great. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, my, I I tried to watch it with Barbara, and she uh, she watched like 15 minutes and said, "No, nah, this is nope." So and not <laughs> much really happened. So this is uh, okay. Well, darn. All right. Talk give about low, Scott. I will definitely give it a try. <laughs> low. This is a By thick old thing. Minder and Greg Tacchini. Has Greg done anything else that I would be familiar with? Probably not. Okay. Wasn't sure. The style seems to be something that I feel like I've seen and something else that you may have given to me, but uh, I don't know. Um, but there again, well, so low. Uh, the basic premise of it is it's kind of a post-apocalyptic sci-fi futuristic type of thing in which uh, the sun has been kind of getting, basically getting closer to earth, getting more powerful, whatever you want to say type things to the point where it's making our land pretty much uninhabitable. The radiation's going up, things like this. Since our people don't have anywhere else to go, they don't know of another planet that's inhabitable. They basically make these big pod, huge city-like things, and they go down into the ocean. Now, the 
book starts basically, or the first issue starts with you not really knowing, you just know that it's kind of futuristic, but you don't really, really know where they're at. I mean, the way that it almost leads you is like they're in space or something to this effect. And then you find out towards the end that, oh, wow, they're in actually just a giant sub, you know, miles down in the ocean. And, and then it kind of leads you more into that. But the whole ba basic thing is, is after that, that they are, tr they, they are finding that they still don't have much time. They've been now into the water for a millennia and living, you know, and things and generations and whatever you want to say. And now they're finding out that the earth may not be able to be inhabitable period here in the next little while due to oxygen and, and things like this. So they're, they're trying to find another inhabitable planet and they believe that there's something a pod that landed on the surface that they that could tell them where that's at so the the whole bait thing of the of the book is you know kind of chasing after that and things and it's based on this one family that are centered kind of around this one family that's kind of been a protector of a particular city that was underneath in the water there so the message though that Reminder's really trying to get across in there that he beat you over the head with quite a few times is to to try to be optimistic you know and the power of being you know of having more of an optimistic view uh and things like this and uh he really tries to beat down his you know the his main characters in different ways and then tries to see how they pull back out of the struggles that are there you know, I mean, it's not much of a spoiler to say that in the very, I think it's at, at the end of the first issue, maybe the second issue, in which the uh, the husband, who's kind of like the main protector, gets killed uh, over the, the suit that he's got that's supposed to be all powerful. And uh, basically his daughters get kidnapped and his wife's pretty much just left, you know, at the bottom of the ocean. And uh, it's kind of his wife's struggle to try to to rejoin the family as well as trying to find this pod that can tell them, you know, where the, uh, where the new world might be. So overall, I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, I like a lot of the ideas. Um, I think in some cases he, you know, I think Reminder was having problems on maybe how long he wanted to make this, you know, in some cases, you know, I, I can definitely tell going through this and the individual issues that he took some maybe long hiatuses in between some. And it seemed like when he came back, it was like he couldn't decide, do I want to keep this going or do I want to start wrapping it up? You know, so it, it takes some weird jumps sometimes, but then in other times it seems like it's kind of dragging there a little bit. So the the pacing, I guess, for, for his stuff kind of is a little different than usual in which uh, he's usually pretty good at, I thought. Um, and like I mentioned, he tends to really kind of, his optimistic, you know, thing He is a, a theme throughout the book and he just really just tries to find ways to break these people's spirits, I think in different ways and then have them bounce back, you know, and things. And so, and because of that, sometimes, I mean, there's some great things in which it just moves so fast, some great action things going on, you know, not a whole lot of words. And then sometimes he gets into these big soliloquies or something you know about talking about the power of optimism and hope and all this other type of stuff which don't get me wrong i mean it's not bad i can understand having that but it just seemed like it almost would happen at least once an issue you know and it's like i i'm a reader i'm reading this i know that that's there you know you just just keep on going there a little bit uh seems, like lately, he needs, seems like lately he needs to let the theme 
permeate through the work rather than hit you over the head with it as much as he does. I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree. Definitely agree. Um, art wise at the start of it, I don't know how fond I was really of the arts, you know, in like the first, uh, arc there or whatever. Um, it seemed like it was pretty, I mean, it was a, a particular, almost like a rough style, I guess, of things, you know, in some cases the people were done really well, but the backgrounds just seemed to be like a, a little tacked on, you know, and almost rushed, you know, in some ways. Uh, and for a book that was supposed to be post-apocalyptic, you know, kind of futuristic type things, it was really kind of hard for me to grasp, you know, what what's an object and what was supposed to be something different, you know, or whatever else. Because he's also got, you know, some different like sea creatures and whatever else. So, you know, just getting the gist of what was what uh, kind of threw me out of place. Um, but it seemed like this the artist got better as he went along though too it seemed like he started to find his style started to get a little and part of it may have been me getting more used to the characters and and just overall the the world that it was in it's hard for me to tell but it just definitely seems like there was a case in which after that first arc his his art seemed to to jump a bit and get a little bit better clarity throughout so i i definitely I felt like it got better as it went along from that perspective and probably pulled me in a little bit more um because i really do i i, I like sci-fi a lot and so i will give a benefit of doubt to try to keep going through with stuff um so i i definitely would say that this isn't like the best of stuff i've written i've read but it's not it's definitely not the worst it kept me engaged it's you know i think it's a really interesting idea you know of saying hey we, what happens if you know we went to a place where we just send everybody under the water you know, type things because, you know, the radiation is too bad, you know, and things are living down there. I think I part of the other problems, though, that I had was there towards the end, he just really decides like he's got to have this all out battle between all sorts of freaking things. Like he's really just trying to decimate the entire human population, which I don't know. I guess he needed, he felt the need to tie up, but it just seemed kind of rushed there towards the end, you know, of, of really needing to, to blow a bunch of crap up. It was cool, but, you know, it also just seemed like, wow, you, you introduce some of these things here and there, and then it's just like, plow, I'm just going to wipe them all out. So, but like I say, I don't know. It, it, it had its goods and good things and bad things. And uh, overall, I guess I'd say, yeah, it, it was worth a read, but uh, it, it wasn't fantastic. Imagine the mad design work that artists had to do for that book. Like everything is like, new and different creatures and technology and cities. Oh, exactly right. No, no, you're, you're exactly right. And I, I think that's where I kind of, kind of struggled, you know, I mean, there's some stuff like this, you know, early on where it's, it's kind of pretty, you know, and stuff, but it's kind of hard to tell what's what they're kind of floating around. I mean, I can tell there's a futuristic thing going on, but it's really hard to kind of grasp what the, what's being there around them, you know, type stuff, you know, and things. And, and I felt like there was a lot of that through the early uh, sections of the book. But, I mean, there's a part, as it, as it keeps going on, you know, I mean, then you get things like this, you know, towards the end. I mean, look at that. That is freaking just fantastic, you know, and things. So I really feel like this artist, you know, kind of was definitely felt like he was developing his craft, you know, and kind of getting some stuff there as he was going along. Yeah, I there's a, there like was it, an issue you know, down in the middle so I really liked. It was like 
there was an issue in the middle there that I really liked where it was like all action. It was like a big kind of chase or they were fighting scene. Do you remember that issue? And I thought the storytelling on that one was like really good. Really blue. Yeah, probably so. I mean, once they get to the surface of things, I mean, there's just, you know, this issue here where, I mean, they're just jumping around going through and that's really around in the middle where they're on the surface and they're just jumping around and things. And I mean, yeah, the whole uh, issue just flies because they're, uh, you know, they're just experienced. It's one, you know, crazy crap after another, you know, type of thing. And, and the different stuff that's on the surface, I, I'm with you. I felt like in that middle part, he kind of had some things, you know, going on there, but, uh, but, but I don't know. It, it seemed like some, he, he splits it up and he's like, okay, so it, was, it centers on that family and the daughters and the, uh, mother or whatever gets split up she's on the, the mother's on the surface the daughters are still down in the in the ocean and and even then the daughters get split up and so he's got these like three different tales going on stories going on at the same time and he spends you know like an entire issue with one sometimes but then he'll like maybe split it up between them a little bit in an issue sometimes so it's it just a little odd there but to your point when he focuses on certain areas it's really freaking good, you know, and if he has that story that it's in his mind to tell and he knows that he wants to tell it and say like a single issue, oh yeah, it can just fly. But then other times it seems like he just kind of slows it down and is like, oh, well, where are they all at now? And let's talk about what their philosophies are for the moment, you know, where their heads are at. And then it kind of slows down again. Cool. Sweet. Uh did you like, did you read low, uh, Don? Did, no, did you read low? I read, I read most of it. I didn't finish it. And it took like, I don't know, eight years for it to come out. So I remember uh, nothing about it. Okay. It was very well, and I could see that being part of the, the frustration. Like I said, when I was reading it, it seemed like there was some long hiatuses there going on. Yeah, so I, I, I did read most of it, probably all but like the last two or three issues, but I don't remember any of it really. I, I probably need to borrow Drew's so I can read the whole thing. Yeah, because I, I can't imagine trying to read this thing as broken up type things because of how one thing floats to another a lot of times. And especially, like I said, because sometimes certain characters may skip a couple of issues before they come back in again. So, hey, like, if you had, had to wait there for, you know, a year, you'd be like, what the fuck were they doing? So, yeah, I could see that being a problem. Right. All right. Sorry, Drew. You have something you want to talk about? No, you're good. I was just prepping you guys for the next one. Is that off Monolith? So, this book is called Monolith. It's a very simple story. It would probably make a pretty good, like, 90-minute movie. Looks like a pop-up um, book. Right? It does. It's very big. It's got a similar... It's got a very painterly style. The art is by LRNZ, is the guy's name. But the story is, like, super simple. It's kind of set in the near future. And this guy and this girl, and they have a kid, and they're having some issues. So she feels smothered. So she's taking the kid, and she's going on, like, a vacation. She's getting away from him. They're not having a good relationship. She needs some space. So she grabs the kid, and the husband, he just, I don't know if they're married, but they have a kid together. 
But the guy, he just bought this cool new car called Monolith. Oh, and nice. it's like this awesome, like indestructible car. And it's, you take your phone and your phone opens it and controls everything. It's got like an AI. It's like a Tesla on steroids or whatever. And so he says, here, take my car because then you'll be safe, blah, blah, blah. So she takes his car. But she doesn't want him tracking him. So she turns off like the GPS on the car because she doesn't want him to know where she's going. Well, then she hits like a deer or something with it, which, oh. which the car is fine, but the deer is in the middle of the road. So she has to get out and move the deer and the kid's like in the car. Well, somehow she, you know, drops her phone down a cliff or something. And so she can't get back into the car because the phone is the only thing that get in the car. So the kid's in the car, she's out of the car. It's in the middle of the night. Her phone's in a ditch cracked somewhere. So she freaks out. She tries to break into the car. Car's indestructible. So she's got to like go for help. So she goes and tries to, you know, find help. Doesn't get much. So it's basically about her trying to get back into this car so she can save her kid who's stuck in the car. So with no phone. Oh, no. So, uh, all right. It does a weird thing where at some point she gets like, I don't know if she gets sunstroke or she like, Oh, no, she gets poisoned. She gets bit by a snake. That's what it is. And she sucks the toxin out, but then it makes her feel all funny. So then there's a whole sequence where it's, like, drawn in, like, a different art style where she's seeing, like, weird lizard guys she's talking to and stuff because she's all, you know, popped up on snake venom. So, nice. So it's got some interesting uh, artistic things to it. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty decent. I liked it. I thought the end was a little vague. I wasn't 100% sure what happened at the end. I mean, I kind of knew what happened, but you don't get a lot of closure, I guess you could say. And so it's just kind of a little dissatisfying at the very end because I wanted a little more clear-cut what exactly happened to these people. I didn't feel like it totally told me exactly what happened. But I didn't make a perfect like Hollywood thriller movie or whatever. It's good. Nice. Quick read. Super quick. Nice. Yeah. Do you have anything comic-wise you want to talk about, Don? Um, uh, so I started reading, I started rereading the Weapon X storyline out of Marvel Comics Presents. Oh, nice. Because I wanted to revisit the Barry Windsor Smith artwork and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I got through two, three, four, five, six of them. I don't know how many they are, but I got through six of them. But uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, obviously. I mean, it held up. Um, the thing I remember about uh, Marvel Comics Presents is most of the other stuff was crap. Were you reading the other stuff or you just reading the Weapon X stuff? I would flip through it and read it. But, I mean, they had some talent. Like, Dave Cockrum did a couple short stories, like One and Dones. Yeah. Like, and a couple of them, and those were fine. And then there was, like, one, there was, like, a Death's Head uh, story in it, which I can't remember who drew it. But, I mean, it was, it was fine. But, um, no, I mean... I'll pro I still have the other one set over there, so I haven't um I'll probably finish it just because, but 
um, like I said, I, it was a weird couple weeks. I would start something and then I would start something else and then I would start something else and I didn't really follow through on anything, but, uh, but, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, and they're only like, what, six pages each issue. Like you don't get a whole lot of story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so, I mean, the one thing that seemed weird to me is like when they were, when they first kidnapped him and they were doing these experiments on him and they put the adamantine in him, in, in him right away. They didn't know that he had like a healing factor. Like they didn't research it. Yeah. I thought that was like a big part of it. Like that was the way that he was able to be able to have it done to him because it would have killed a normal person. You know what I mean? But, yeah. That's why it worked. Right. But they didn't know that. From yeah, because they're mad scientists. From what I understood, I may have read it wrong or maybe something comes out where, because there's like two or three, well, there's like two scientists and one of them maybe didn't tell the other one. Maybe he knew. I don't know. But uh, now the art's really cool. Um, the coloring is very interesting. I think Barry Windsor Smith did the coloring on it too. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, but uh, not, it's, it, it held up um, from what I remember because shit, it's probably been, I don't know, 25 years since I've read this or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I've ever read it other than the original read through. So, yeah, I thought I started to reread it. It's kind of wordy. It is, but anything back then is, I mean, it's true. So, but yeah, the art's amazing. So, I, I, uh, I did that. I, re I read uh, some part half of weapon x nice um anything else scott uh nope just for watching what all right i read old head okay this nice. is by kyle starks and it is everybody know who kyle starks is uh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't he know did, that. He did Sex Castle, and he did uh, Rock Candy Mountain, that other weird book. Oh, yeah. So okay. Old Head starts out, it's about this kid, and he's living with his mom, and he keeps getting into fights because his dad is not in the picture. And they tell him, you can't fight, can't fight, you can't, can't take out your aggression. And so then he starts playing basketball, and his coach is like, he gets pushed around, and his coach is like, dude, don't let that guy push you around. Hit him back. He's like, what? I can hit back? And so he becomes this, like, star basketball player from, like, basically being one of the roughest, toughest. They call him the Blade because he just slices people up. And uh, not a great shooter, but um, he's, a, he's, a good, uh, he's a good brawler. So, he's a good enforcer. And so he ends up having, like, a college career, and – in the in like his big sweet 16 game it ends up like it's it's him with the ball going down court against like five guys because the rest of his team is like laid out it's just him one on five and he's he tries to go for it he tries to slice through and nobody no one person go up against five defenders not even the, the blade so he, he loses the game he does go pro though and he becomes kind of like a i don't know he's 
he's a performer and he's not like a star player, but he's like, he's a, he's an old steady type of thing. And so he gets the nickname old head cause he's retired now. Well, he goes back to his hometown where with his daughter and he's divorced from the mom and it's his mother's funeral. His mother passed away. So he goes back to her old house and all that stuff. And um, there's a castle up on the ridge away from his kind of that he can see from his house and they want to buy his grandma's house. So he's like, yeah, sure. I'm, what am I going to do with it? So he's selling it to him. So he has to go up there and find the paperwork or whatever. Well, it turns out the castle is like Dracula's castle. Dracula moved his castle here and he rebuilt his castle in this small little town. And then this guy ends up fighting a bunch of Dracula's minions and Dracula and all that stuff. So it's interesting. And chaos ensues. So it's basically a basketball horror mix-up. It's funny because at the at the back he's got like his top five all-time basketball players and gives like a little like explanation, and then he's got like his uh, top five horror movies too gives like a little explanation. But I think his tastes align with mine pretty much. He's got like Tremors, Fright Night, Shaun of the Dead, Monster Squad, and Evil Dead Two: Army of Darkness. So he's definitely got the same you know, taste as me. He's not like the hardcore horror stuff, more the comedy horror, which suits this book well. But yeah, no, and it goes into the backstory too of like why his mom was there because she had a feud with Dracula. It turned out she, and that's how his dad died was they were like uh, fighting Dracula or whatever. So yeah, it was pretty good. It dragged a little bit in the middle. There, There's a point where it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of cute, it's kind of funny, but let's get on with it, you know, like, you can only be clever so yeah. so long before it just kind of starts to feel a little tired. But no, it's pretty good. Not for kids, even though it's drawn in a cartoony style. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right? Um, so this is kind of timely, but just topic-wise, but, so I got a new, I, I got the third hardcover of Immortal Hulk. Oh yeah, um, but every time I get a, well, every time, the last time when I got volume two, I went back and reread number one and then read number two. So yeah. I thought, I thought this time I would go back and reread number one and number two and then get to three. Wow. But I only got, sure. I got, I got half, I got all the way through number one and like halfway through number two. But, uh. Um, so I read, reread the first volume. Um, it's good. It, it really is. I don't know what it is, but this is probably the third time I've read it. And it, dude, his artwork is, is crazy good. I mean, you know, this book has been touted as more of a horror book. And, you know, it, it's a Marvel book and it's with the Hulk, but it, it really comes across as, as, you can see the the whole, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, like I read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing's supposed to be a horror book. You know what I yeah. mean? This sure. is probably more than that. I mean, it deals with a lot of dark things, um, and and Joe Bennett's artwork. Like, I just, I ever since I read the first one, you know what I mean? It it just sure. it mesmerizes me, and I mean, the Hulk is portrayed as just this, like. You know, there's a panel right there on that bottom where, I mean, he's just, you know, scary. 
And <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, I don't know. The the Hulk, like, if you saw the Hulk, like, he would scare the shit out of you, probably. You know what I mean? Like, if you ran up on him, yeah. like, in real life, like, he would scare the crap out of you. And it seems like most of the Hulk stuff that I've read, he's not scary. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's a monster, and he's he can lose his temper, and he breaks and smashes stuff. But, I don't know. I've just never thought of Hulk as, like, scary. As, sure. in, in a horror sense and this this book they really do a good job of 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 doing that whether the stories are just a little bit darker you know or um but his i don't know what it is but i mean i can just stare at like he does some double page spreads in here that are just crazy good i mean he's almost like like i get a little bit of a dale keown vibe vibe I was kind of thinking that when you showed me that other picture. Yeah. But he really does have it like his own kind of style. Like he's very heavy with like uh, lines. Like there's tons of lines in it. Um, uh, like, uh, and I don't know what the proper word for it is, but like, like you can, if you look at the, the cover, like you see all the, the lines, but um Anyway, the I was flipping through it and like one of the stories, um, uh, and then I lost it. But they bring in they bring back in like uh, uh, Sasquatch from like Alpha Flight, like he's in some of it, and then, uh, but oh yeah, so like the the Avengers like they come to fight him. And, and Tony Stark's got, like, this super secret weapon to, like, destroy the Hulk. Where, you know, it's like of a course. satellite that just shoots pure sunlight down onto him and just, like, destroys him. Because the the thing with um, Immortal Hulk is, like, he comes out at night. Kind of like the original Hulk, where Hulk would come out at night, you know? Yeah. And so... Like, Bruce Banner dies. Like, they kill Bruce Banner, and then he comes back as the Hulk. And then Bruce Banner is back alive or whatever. But they can't kill the Hulk. Like, he keeps coming back. And so there's a secret government uh, thing. They're part of, like, the Hulkbusters and General Ross and all this other stuff. But they actually, after, after the Avengers defeat the Hulk, they give him, they give him to this, they're trying to study him to find out why he can come, why he keeps regenerating, like why he keeps coming back. And it was almost like, uh, it reminded me of like The Walking Dead, because this guy's like in his lab, and he has like, they've dissected the Hulk and put him in like big giant jars, like his head's like in one jar, and like his heart's in the other jar. Like, half of his lung is in, like, another jar. And this guy's just, like, sitting in this room, like, talking to the Hulk, like, trying to figure out, you know, like, you know, why are you doing this? Like, you know, how can you do this and stuff? I don't know. It was it was very, very strange. But the the book, I I enjoy it. it it's, it's a good book. Um, and like I said, they really kind of bring out 
more of the horror aspect of it, I guess, as much as you can, you know what I mean? Like in a comic book, I think horror is really hard to do in a comic book, but at least do it well. And this is done very well, but so cool. hopefully cool. I'll get the, get through the other half of the second one and maybe read the third one for next time. I think that fourth one should be coming out soon. I think I've been sitting on volume three for a little while and I just haven't gotten around to read it, but um, I only have like one other thing other than the required, so. I read Jonna and the Unpossible Monsters. What are you? Okay, cool. You're reading some weird <laughs> stuff. Man. It's uh, not... drawn by Chris Chris Somney. Oh, nice. It's written by his wife, L. Somney. I think I heard about this. Was this like a, an OGN or was it? It's OGN. Uh, no, okay. it came out in issues too. They put out in like four issues. Yeah, it was like four issues, and then they put out the graphic novel. What was it published through? Uh, Oni. Oni! Oni, okay. Yep. It's pretty awesome. The art is amazing, because it's Chris Somney. Right. And he's like really cool. Like, There's a shot, a double-page spread of this little girl getting ready to punch this giant monster. Nice. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. Basically, it's... It's post-apocalyptic, and monsters have started roaming the Earth, and there's these two sisters. And one of the sisters is like this weird, wild, crazy child that they've adopted. But um, basically, they get separated. The two sisters get separated, and their dad gets lost as well. So then it focuses on the older sister who's going around trying to find the younger sister and their dad, basically. And so she gets a lead on it, and she ends up finding her. But the, old, the younger sister is kind of a... She doesn't really talk much. She's just kind of like this weird kind of, uh, I don't know how the right word to describe it. This weird kind of primate child or something. But apparently she's really strong because they meet up with these this whole group, this kind of like little village of people, and they hang out with them, and then they get attacked by monsters. Well, the, they fight the monsters off. There's a couple of cool like design characters there like you can kind of see. Um, oh, yeah. These, but uh, yeah, they, they're fighting the monster and they're doing a pretty good job. And then the girl goes up there and she just punches the freaking thing and it goes flying. Like she hits it and it like flies like, you know, this monster is like, you know, giant and it goes flying away from the mountain. So apparently she's like super strong. But uh, anyway, that's a just it's a pretty simple story and it's fun. The art is really the big draw. But I mean, the writing's really good too. It's just, it's a little very straightforward, very simple. But uh, it's a joy to look at just the storytelling and all that. And Scott, you know who Chris Somney is, right? No, probably don't. Same guy who does Firepower. Oh, okay. Now I do. Yeah, same artist. So he's drawing two books, which is pretty nice. impressive. Yeah, I think so. All right, that's, that's Jonna and the Unpossible Monsters. Um. I started but did not finish Ronin by Frank Miller. Oh, why are you reading that? We could all read that as a group. That could be our post-watchman. Does Scott have it? I don't know. No. <laughs> Never mind. Can't be our post-watchman. Well, I don't care. I mean, we could, but I've never no, read it. 
I've never read. You've never read it? No, I I never bought the single issues. I never went back and got them. I bought this absolute shit. I don't know. I've had it forever, and I just I think I started it and never finished it. And so I I just I was listening to cartoonist Cape Babe, I think, and they were talking about Frank Miller, and they were doing like a Watchmen thing, and they talked about Ronan a little, and I'm like, well, maybe I should read it. Um, I don't know, dude. It's not like, like, it's, and I'm not done. I've read the first, I've read the four issues, and there's six, so whatever percent of that is. I still have two issues left. Um, I get where, because this is pre-watch, this is pre-Dark Knight. Dark Knight. And, and he, so it's post-Daredevil, pre-Dark Knight. It's a transitory work. It is. And I mean, it's okay, but I could, uh, I mean, I don't, it's not like the greatest thing I've ever seen as far as like the artwork, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not Daredevil and it's not Dark Knight. He's trying, I, I know what he, I mean, I can see what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, I can see what he's trying style, to do. Yeah. And, but I just, I don't necessarily dig it. Like, it's not the greatest thing ever. But I can see. You read it, right, Scott? I don't know. I thought I had, but. I think you had. I don't remember for sure. But I can long, see long where. Time. But I can see where at this time where people would really dig this. You know what I mean? Like, because it is very different. Um, It's very heavily influenced, obviously, by like, by Japanese, by manga, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, the story is not anything like it, but for some reason, like, I just get like a lone wolf and cub vibe off of the book. That's so funny because they were, I was watching cartoons K-Fabe and they were talking about their original Wolverine by Frank Miller and Chris Claremont limited series. Uh-huh. And they were saying how that gave him like, a, you could tell that Miller was like reading a bunch of Lone Wolf and Cub and stuff. Got <laughs> oh, really? Well, and, and you know what? It may just be a thing because, you know, that was, that's a Japanese thing and this is a Japanese thing, but. No, I think um, you're right because then he ended up doing those covers for Lone Wolf and Cub. He did. You can tell that Lone Wolf and Cub was a big influence on him. But I mean, yeah, there, there, there's some cool stuff in here. But I mean, there's, you know, and then like some of his like, like this, like that splash page where he's just like cutting that dude's, ar- you know, arm off and it's like flying like that, like yeah. that's cool. And how like that goes into the other thing. But then, you know, like, I just flipped the page and I'm getting something like this where it's just like, it's just totally different. And it's like, I don't know. I don't, it's not like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And that's objective to me. You know, that like, that's me being, that's my opinion. But I mean, it is, it is different. Like I I can see why people, people go over it. And I mean, he is, playing with the medium and then you know you get a page like this i know it's hard to see but i mean it's like a black and white like collage like just all yeah, over Sin City. you know double page spread and it's just like you know it's cool 
so like i'll try and i don't even know that well i, I really, think really... i think you're reading that book about 20 30 years too late i'm sure oh yeah well yeah absolutely but and i mean the story so it's like i think this came out like in what probably 83 82 83 somewhere around in there maybe 84 probably yeah. so if it was before it's before uh, dark night or dark night i keep saying watchman it's before dark night um so the story it's very techno-y it's very like uh nanites you know it's very like 83 84 huh nice good job there don 84 so 83 83 okay that's what i was thinking so um so it starts back in whatever i don't know how many thousands of years ago like in japan and there's uh a wrong a, a samurai whatever and he uh there's like a big evil demon or whatever and they fight he the the demon like like he's supposed to protect his whatever emperor whatever i don't know what it is like he's in charge of bo a bodyguard and this demon monster whatever like kills kills his master so then he turns into a ronin because he's a masterless samurai and then he track he tries to hunt him down and track him down and they have a big fight and somehow they like merge into this sword like both of them are like trapped in this sword and then you jump to whatever and this is probably said in the future i don't know if it ever says what year it is or whatever but so then you jump to the future and this corporation or whatever like they somebody has found the sword and they like break it or destroy it and it releases the the demon and it releases the samurai but this corporation is building like this city like a brand new city like a sentient city or something and that's where it gets into like kind of like vr and did they build it and on nanites and stuff like that well all cities are built on rock and roll right <laughs> and um so the 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 samurai the, the ronin he gets transferred into like a like a computer program or of like a a person and they they mer like it's like their ai but it has like a like a physical presence and it the the ronin when it's released he gets transferred into that body and like becomes that thing so he has like a physical body now and he's running around trying to chase down this demon guy or whatever and then there's like all this corporate stuff and like it, it's almost like god as i'm explaining it i almost like a way to explain it is kind of like robocop where there's like this evil corporation you know what i mean it's like trying to do this and then i realized that you know frank miller wrote <laughs> like robocop too so like right didn't frank miller write yeah. the screenplay okay so now i'm just mm -hmm. like all these things are like coming together but it's it's weird it's a strange story and i don't know that i have like a total grasp on it and the art is very transitionary experimental whatever so it's a, it's an odd book man like all around like from you know what i mean like 
But you really yeah. got to like I could see where something like that came out like in 84 because I mean now we we take for granted you know like you know the the bloodshot movie where it's all nanites and you talk about nanites and you talk about AI and you talk about all this stuff whether it I mean not it, none of it's really a reality yet but back then like it had to be like just a totally out there concept you know what I mean like just whatever but anyway I, I I don't hate it. I'm enjoying it. It's just I don't know that that I would hold it up like on a high pedestal that it seems like some people do. It's like Reservoir Dogs to Pulp Fiction. You know, you gotta like do that one first, and then you gotta make the next one. Right. It's your yeah. stepping stone to your masterpiece. Right. Well, I and I remember I was like reading the the introduction to it, and it's like Frank Miller. Like he came to DC to do this, and I think it's Jeanette Kahn. I think she's the one that writes the introduction. But she talked about how like, like they wanted Frank to do something, and and they basically told him he could pretty much do whatever he wanted. Yeah, but, I read on Wikipedia. It said that initially it was going to be a Marvel graphic novel, but um, then Jeanette Kahn told him he could do, he could do whatever he wanted. They gave him complete creative freedom if he brought it over to DC. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was he told them he wanted to retain the rights to it, which I don't think DC had ever done anything like that. Like he retained all the copyright, like he owns it, everything. Man, Alan Moore should have taken a page from his book. Right? Sure I sounds know. that way. But I thought he should have talked to Frank Miller before they made their Watchmen deal. Right. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Like that was a that was like a big deal for him he's like i have to own it and then but then like he owns it and retains the rights to it but nothing's been done with it you know what i mean <laughs> like like he's got all this other stuff that he's done like like sin city and all this other stuff that you know has, has gone into movies and things like that but then ronan's just sitting there and like nothing's been done with it but yeah make a great movie i don't know why i never got Oh man, they said Darren Aronofsky was looking at maybe making it into a movie at one point. Oh, good God! Oh wow! Yeah. Holy cow! That would be that would yeah, be. Yeah, no kidding. I guess it would be pretty, but. Ugh. <laughs> In April 2014, Sci-Fi announced they are adapting Ronan into a miniseries. Ah, but that was seven years ago. I'm guessing that got. Well, I'm sure Frank Miller got option money. He's probably been living off option money. Yeah, I'm sure he's not doing too bad. So. Right. He could probably oh, yeah. live off his. He could probably live off his. Uh, what do you call it? His. Uh, his checks from uh, Dark Knight, and he'd probably be able to live with that for the rest of his life. I bet. Probably, I'm guessing. All right. There you go. Cool. I have nothing else but Watchmen, so. I, I'll do a real, real quick one just because it's a friend of the show. But I did read Glamorella number one and two finally. Because I finally got my number one so I could read number two. Which nice. was a Kickstarter. Yeah. But uh, these are actually pretty cool. Um, I, was, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It, it's definitely a kid's book. But, I mean, you can enjoy it as an adult too. It's basically about this lady, Glamorella. She's like a superhero. And she has a daughter who has absolutely no interest in anything doing with being a glamorous superhero. Her daughter just wants to sit around and read books, is not interested in making friends. If she's got one good friend, she's good. Um, she's not interested in like, you know, 
being pretty or anything like that. She just wants to hang around her one friend and read. So it's kind of, that's the basic gist of the thing. But there's a whole storyline about how Glamorella came from like another dimension. And there's scientists trying to open up the portal. And so there's like an actual story to it as well. So yeah, it's pretty entertaining. I like it. But here's a weird thing. Look, right now, one book is quite a bit taller than the other book. See, that, that's not good. See, right. Interesting. Yeah. I'm holding it at the same at the bottom, but one is taller. So, yeah. But, that's weird. But now it's been picked up and it's being published through Literati. And yeah. it's listed through previews. Correct. So, so I got the... Huh? Do you have the... Do you have the literary literati copy of number one? Um, I do. I bought through Diamond. I got literati or at oh. number one. I have okay. the I have I the version he was selling before, but I think that was in black and white. So this one's in color, I think. But I have the but then I kickstarted number two, and so I have the Kickstarter of number two, and so then the I also. There's also a current Kickstarter for number three, which I backed as well. So, shout and who out. Who's the Who is the writer on that? Uh, Jerry Bennett is the artist. Charles J. Martin is the writer. Okay. He's also the publisher of Literati. So, yeah. And I believe. But Jerry Bennett, he's the guy who was on the podcast like a right. few months back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I remember him talking about it. I just couldn't remember who he was working with. I don't want to speak out of turn until you, I you double, until I double check my facts, but I know that there are some literati, literati literati press people that will be they will have a presence at Aircap, not just Jerry Bennett, but uh, I cool. think the publisher actually bought a space, so that guy might be there. But I'd have to double check. Well, they are based out of Oklahoma, so that makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I have, I don't know if I have one and two. I know I have at least one issue, but then I ordered them through Diamond. Yes. So I think way back when I, I might have even gotten like a preview copy or maybe I've got something and I think I read it, but it's been a while. So I need to sit down and read whatever i have yeah but uh, yeah i think i picked up number one from him at the last time we had air cap in 2019 yeah but it was a it was black and white i think but i'd have to go back and look maybe it wasn't i don't know right no i think it was i think originally it was black and white and i think when they put it through diamond they colored it so yeah i think when they kickstarted they colored it Oh, well, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Like I said, that thing's, that thing's been around for a while, and it, there's been very various iterations of it, and I'm not up to speed on all of them, even though I should be, because Jerry Bennett is an awesome artist and an awesome guy, but I have gotten the books. I just, I guess I haven't read the books, but whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to support him. Cool. All right. Let's... That's about all I have. Shit, just knocked this watchman out of the park. Man, was this thing wordy. Oh, my God, I know. It probably took me 45 minutes to read this thing. I was like, Vite can turn a phrase. Holy crap. Well, yep, I, I thought the same exact thing. 
Although this one's very symmetrical, if I remember right, too, at the the start of it to the end. Because isn't yeah. that this the one where it's very white at the beginning, and you white. know, and then kind of clearing off towards his greenhouse, and then at the end, you know, it, uh, it's it's the explosion, you know, and so it's gradually becoming white, you know, to the the point where it's a uh, you know total blackout or total whiteout, I guess, in a way. So right, yeah. You know, the best part when Bites just beat the crap out of Rorschach over and over. That was pretty entertaining. Mm, I suppose. <laughs> you know, you so know something that bit, I noticed you know, this time that I probably did not, you know, we talk about things that we noticed that we didn't, you know, pick up out of however many readings, you know, of this. I don't think that I ever really noticed how much he put like the particular focus on the time right there very early on, you know, right. being like 1125, uh, you know, yeah. I knew everything had happened, you know, before and that he was telling his master plan after he had already, you know, done the deed, but I didn't realize, you know, he really focused on, yeah, it's been, you know, 30 minutes or whatever since I, since I did it, you know, type things. And, and uh, yeah, you guys are just now all finding out now. So he right. poisoned those Chinese guys. Yes. It appears so with the wine. That was my impression. And then he opened up his greenhouse to the outside so it like got snow swept or whatever. Yes. Yeah. But I believe that's because whatever he was doing in the greenhouse was helping create whatever the hell that he sent over to New York. Gotcha. So destroyed evidence. Or there was some influence there with whatever he was doing in that greenhouse, I think. Gotcha. And, you know, splicing things and whatever else. So I think he was trying to destroy the evidence, you know. Gotcha. Well, as as I was reading this, you know, it's it opens up and it's it's uh, uh, Rorschach and uh, and uh, Dan and they're Dragon. they're riding on the they're they're riding on the scooters or whatever the hell. And Drew's like last time these things are simple. It seems like he designed them out a little bit more on page three. I mean, and this is 1984, 85. I mean, that could have been sci-fi-ish back then. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I just thought they're funny because they have like a little headlight on them and they're just basically right? sitting on them, standing on oh, them. I know. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's a, it's a freaking, uh, what do you call those things that everybody was riding around on? Segway. Uh, yeah, it's a Segway. Yeah, but this you is know, well before whatever. the Segway. It was. Right, exactly. No, I just, it just looks like something a, a six-year-old would design. That's all. Right. <laughs> I, I did okay. like how, like on, um, like on page four, where he's got that uh, giant uh, painting or whatever of the Gordian knot, you know, and yeah. I mean, you know, this is the issue where he goes in and he describes it and explains it all. And, you know, he's, he, it is his Gordian knot, like, you know, his, he's just like Alexander. He follows in his footsteps and, you know, yeah. this is the world. So, um, all right. What's going on with the pirate, with, with, with the pirate ship thing. So the guy comes I've back. I've totally lost the thread of that story. So the guy comes back, he finally gets home, and he thinks that 
they're all dead and these are the pirates. So he goes back to his house or he goes somewhere and yes. they haven't gotten there yet. So he ended no, up No, the pirates haven't wife. been there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so he, he beats up, up his family, being his wife or somebody there. And then he realizes, oh my God, what the hell have I done? And so then he goes out there and he realizes that the pirate ship was never really after the town. It always wanted him all along. Okay. Well, then at the, at the very end, at the very end of the, when they wrap it up, like he goes, he swims out into the ocean and he's like, he comes up upon it and then he climbs up and then, then it just ends. Now, the the guy that's reading the comic, he's the guy that runs the stand. He's like, why do you keep reading these? And he's like, because they don't make any sense. So I have to read them over again. So is that, yeah, no kidding. Is that, is that kind of what we're getting out of this the whole crater story at the end it just doesn't make sense and it's not supposed to no i think it is making sense and it's supposed to be the fact that it's a story within a story that's kind of you know alluding to things that are happening within the story but the idea is to maybe okay. get that you may have to reread it so i don't think it's saying that you guys yeah. are a bunch of idiots and this isn't going to make any sense it's just saying you might not catch no, everything. No, no. It may be worthwhile to reread it. I'm not talking about the the story of Watchmen. I'm talking about the comic book that the guy's reading inside the comic book. Right. And I still don't think that the comic book itself is meant to say it doesn't make any sense. I think there's deeper meaning within what he's trying to do with the comic within the comic. And that right. if you don't at first glance get it, you may want to reread again. Okay. I got you. All right. Um, so the, so basically, uh, Rorschach, who is that at the owl? Yeah. Owl. Um, owl? So Rorschach and the owl, they, they finally get to, to night, um, owl. night, night owl. owl. There you go. I knew there was something there. I was they missing. finally, they finally get to, um, beats place and beats waiting for him. And so they try to attack him and he beats him up and then he goes through his giant, master villain soliloquy about his entire origin story and how he orchestrated everything and this and that and how he gave away his fortune and then pulled himself up by his bootstraps and you know all so we get all of that and then interspaced through interspersed throughout that you know we're getting the black freighter story we're getting the which I think it's hilarious. Like everything converges, like in New York. Like you've got the, the, the lady that's uh, the lesbian, and her girlfriend shows up, and then they start fighting. <laughs> and then the, the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist guy, for Rorschach. he's there, and his wife is there, and they're fighting. <laughs> and then the cops show up. That just got that they just raided uh, Dan's house or whatever, and he gets suspended, and he sees the fight going on. So like all of these characters are just like converging around this newsstand, like in you know New York City, where this alien thing explosion is just about to happen. It's it's kind of cool the way everything just kind of comes together, you know. Um, and then of course. Me personally, my favorite line at the end is like, you know, and they're like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to stop you. And thanks for letting us know. I'm glad we got here. And he's like, 
I'm not just telling you my whole story so you could stop it. He's like, I already did it. He's like, Yeah, I thought that was great. That was awesome. I know. I did it 35 minutes ago. It was very non, like it was totally like comic booky, and then not. It like took a left turn, so it was pretty cool. Right. Yeah, he's like, do it. Yeah, I did it. What are you talking about? Here's what. Here's a deeper question, and it kind of gets a little bit into next week as well with the end, but. You know, Alan Moore always said how much he hates Rorschach, and Rorschach's like a horrible example of a person, how like he was always confused why fans liked Rorschach, because Rorschach's like this despicable, disgusting person, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but Rorschach's the only person who thinks what Veet has done is like wrong completely, right? Like everybody else is like, oh, I guess that's, I guess it's wrong, but it's it's the better, you know. So is Alan Moore saying like Rorschach's wrong and like Beat and everybody else is right that you know the ends just that we need to go kill several million people in order to rebuild the world? Well that 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 there's that there's shades of gray and that the end justifies the means and it's okay to kill a few people if it makes the world a better place type of thing. Is Alan Moore rational? The many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, that kind of thing. I'm like I don't know. I mean, and I'm I sure he's know. making a statement about how superheroes are so black and white, but yet the world is gray. And so this is showing that problems can't always be solved with a do-gooder, you know, always doing what's right, blah, 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 you know. Hmm, that like, is a good I, point. But what side is Alan Moore on? That's what I want to know. Yeah, if he doesn't like Rorschach, hmm, that might lead you to believe that he's on the sides of you have to break a few eggs before you can make an omelet. So Rorschach is on the side of Beat, or Rorschach no. is against Beat? Ro- Rorschach's the only one that basically says, Beat, you're a freaking killer, and the world needs to know, you know, type things. Damn what the consequences are. And whereas everybody else is like, ooh, we can't go back now and tell everybody what Beat did, because otherwise, all these sacrifices and all these people that just got killed is all for naught, and the idea of rebuilding will never be successful. So they basically go along with his plan because Ooh, they're yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of gray, but we were about to go I, on World War III anyway. A little bit. Sorry, I'm confusing Don because I jumped kind of ahead. But my point is that Rorschach is like the only, I don't we'll talk about it next week. I, I think. It's I don't great. know. It did seem like he was the only one that kind of had a, um, what was it? There was a, a certain honor system that he has there that basically he couldn't go against, you know, type of thing. Well, well yeah. Beat, I don't know if you guys read the back matter. I, I did. I've been reading, reading the back reading. matter of all of them. But there's a point where... And Beat this one's not bad. It. It's not very long either. It's just a big, long interview with uh, with Beat. Well, there's a point where he's talking about Rorschach, and he basically says, yeah, Rorschach, you know, he sees everything in black and white, you know, and I don't really see the world that way, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a pretty obvious, you know... Knock there against the character. Well, not knock against the character. It's pretty obvious that Rorschach is meant to be the, you know, the this is right, this is wrong guy, right? There's no in-between. There's no gray area, blah, blah, blah. Hey, guys, I might drop out because my phone's on, like, 2%. So I'm just letting you know if I disappear. Well, I think we've probably talked quite a bit about this. So, Are we doing Streets of Fire? Did you watch it, Don? I did. All right. I got got two minutes left. 
I got so many things to you say. You better go for it. I, so I think the idea of this movie is so cool and it could have been so great, but it's like the execution's like everything's just a little off or maybe it's a lot off. But like in the beginning, you know, when the guy comes in, he's in that diner. Why is that fight cut that way? He's like slapping that guy around. You know what I'm saying? And like there's these quick little cuts. Do you remember that part? Yes. It's, like, it's not interesting at all. It's like the most horrible way to like make that fight not interesting. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was and, then, okay. and then after they rescue her and they're back in the one town and they do like a, a song number, right? There's like these cuts of like black screen up for like two seconds and then it cuts to a scene and then there's like another black screen for like two seconds. Do you remember that? It's like really weird. Mm. It's like, I mean, interesting really. cuts, but why is there a cut and then the screen's actually, you can actually see it being black for like two seconds before it goes back to it. It sounds like some poor editing to me. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're and then they're driving that bus, right? Right. right. And then they're on the bus. All of a sudden, they're changing a tire. Like we never saw them like the tire blow out or anything happen to the tire. It's just all of a sudden they're on the side of the road. All of a sudden they're just because that's what happens during the during that in that city, I guess. It's a normal occurrence. They lost the tire. I mean, usually you want to see, oh, the tire blew out. We got to change it. Nope, they're just. They needed to have some reason for them to stop, I guess. <laughs> And then there's that scene where they're like shooting it. Oh, when they're when they when they get stopped by the cops and they like somehow take like ten cops out with like one with one gun or whatever, right? They got them all on the ground. Then they're shooting the cop cars. They're just like exploding into bursts of flame. It's like what kind of shotgun right. is this? It's like a shotgun of hellfire shooting out of this thing. Yeah, but that was pretty typical of the '80s in general, honestly. Yeah, was you shoot something, anything, it could be a can, and it would blow up like that. All right. And since Don, I just got to rapid fire through these. And then when he's like sending off Diane Lane's character on the bus, right? Or on the subway. And then he like punches her to knock her out. Like, it's like, what I know. Acceptable, but it's just, oh, I love you. Whack. Like, Whack. Dexter. I'm like, what the hell? That's not going to go over very well. Yeah. No, I thought that was too. I was like, ooh. Why is he always wearing those suspenders? What's with those suspenders? They look ridiculous. That was the style at the time. It's not the style ever. <laughs> Nobody has ever looked good in like hiked up pants with suspenders and like a white work shirt. What the hell? It it was because it weird... was supposed to be though a mix of this whole you know yeah, steampunk know. you know depression era type of weird type of blend. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. it was trying to blend in some of that for these weird styles, but. I don't know. Does does it really pull off? Mm. Oh no, it does not. <laughs> Did you read the Wikipedia page? I started to, but I don't know. I didn't. Maybe I missed what the heck. I, uh, it just sounded like it went through all sorts of weird development type things. You know, kind yeah. of bouncing around there a little bit and some different writing and things. And then it just sounded well, like they started that, to go. Oh well, we, why don't we throw this in? Oh, why don't we do this? Oh, well, let's make it a musical. Oh, you know, it was like. All these weird like ideas floating around that originally was just supposed to be, oh, let's do this little post-apocalyptic, uh, I don't know, biker thing. And then all of a sudden they like threw in all these weird things and it took off. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for and watching. Somehow they convinced some, some uh, you know, big uh, motion picture company to actually back them and give them money for it. I don't well, know how. Well, they said how. that they had just come off of uh, 48 Hours, which was a huge success. That's it. Yeah. Because it was, yeah, right after that.
So they like were like, sure, that was a huge success. Here you go. You can't do anything wrong. Great. That's right. I don't know. It's it's did, like did it say that it bombed at the box office? I oh, have no yeah. idea. Oh yeah, bombed bad, bad. Well, they said that they were disappointed in Michael Pear as an actor and just not having the presence that they were hoping he would have. But they thought the rest of the movie could care. <laughs> wow. It did not. And that's the funny thing too, because right. that guy seemed to have go. like his. It seemed like his star was like rising, but right. you know, because he was in that, and then he in the cruisers, and then it he just fell off the face of the earth. Well, I think it's because so. this movie bombed. No, he that could be. Shot and he just he didn't get another shot. He's been in a lot of stuff. It's just nothing. That those were those totally two real leading roles, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, crazy, crazy, crazy. But yeah, that I love that movie as a kid. It's just so bad. Oh, well, it is. Like, I feel like it's a lot like that movie Legend. Like that movie Legend, like on paper, it looks really good. But then when you watch it, it's like, it's just something's not quite right. You know, it's just off. Yeah. It's just weird stylized in that one. But yeah, you know, that's that's one of my wife's favorite films from when she was growing up. So Yeah, like as a kid, you might think it was cool. As a kid, I thought it was kind of off, but... I really wanted to like it. Like it had everything I liked. It had like Tom Cruise and it was fantasy with this cool evil guy and swords and you know elves and whatever. Sounds cool. It should be Lord of the Rings, right? Had the girl from uh, what? The Ferris Bueller's Day Off, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Mia Mia Farrow or something like that? No, not Farrow. I think it was like. No, that's not Farrow. I know. But anyway. All right. Well, that's fine. Don's left, so you can. No, it is. Yep. All right. Have a good evening, man. Hey, you do the same. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.